Welcome back to Balling in the Six. This is your Toronto Raptors podcast straight out of London and straight off one of the most dramatic games, not only this season, but in Raptors decade history, as it were. 130-110 against Utah may not sound that extraordinary, but Varel, can you explain to us why this was one of the most brilliant games, not from a quality perspective, but just from a fan's perspective? Absolutely, I can dive straight into it. So, unfortunately, I wasn't, fortu- I wasn't able to actually catch the game live. But um, when I woke up in the morning, I basically had an expletive-laden and just intelligible rant from Kamel, who I, I believe he sent it at half-time when the Raptors were up, I believe, by 40 points, more than doubling Utah score by half-time. So, a franchise uh, record. A franchise record, and, and like Kamel said, it, that final score is still a blowout, but it doesn't reflect the beating that the Utah Jazz received in that first half. Yeah, you're right. I mean, players turned up from all over the court. It wasn't only the starting lineup. Siakam, 35 points, 5 from 9 from beyond the perimeter. He's shooting 40% now from 3. But also, you had Van Vliet. Van Vliet, who, of course, has been forced to step up in Lowry's absence. Usually in the first 10 games of the season, when uh, when Thick Boy was fit, he was sort of allowed to sort of do his own thing at the nut two. But now he's responsible for playmaking the whole time, and he's delivering. 11 assists in this game. He got eight against Utah. Oh, sorry, eight against Orlando. And he's averaging almost, you know, he's almost averaging double digits in assisting. He's playing extremely well. Um, but I do want to touch on Utah a little bit, actually. Why are they so bad away from home? Yes. Um, this is a point that was made on the excellent MDJ's channel, uh, which I recommended two weeks ago to our listeners, but it, it was an analysis. He made a video, I think it was last year, about Denver and Utah sports teams in general. So um, Denver is, of course, called the Mile High City for a reason. And basically, when teams uh, go away from home, they they can't cope with the high altitude that uh, Utah and Denver play in. And that is why um, there's been such a big discrepancy in terms of the away records. In all yeah, four to seven away. away. Four to seven away. And that's not this season. It's, it, that has been the case for the past 20, 30, 40 years. And um, so how I uh, kind of see it is... Um, Potentially, when you see these teams away from home, you almost see how they play in reality as opposed to being these almost natty, uh, um, you know, almost uh, steroid freaks that they become because they've got more oxygenated red blood cells. And that's just scientifically, that's not something that a away team can suddenly muster up. So this is, has been a theme for them uh, this as well, they've been blown out several times away from home, and maybe it's because they they end up playing on a playing level playing field for the first time. Or well, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you can use a geographical advantage. You know, Denver do it, and in playoffs, if you know you manage to get home court in the end, uh, I don't see the, I don't see the issue. It's one of the advantages. You know, you have a loud crowd. You have uh, a fortress at home. Utah have high altitude. I don't see an issue at all. 
But it didn't explain why they were so poor in the first half, whereas they came out in the third quarter and scored 49 points, um, which showed the full repertoire of the Jazz talent, really. They could not miss from three. And at one point, they went 18 for 19 from the field. Should we yeah. be scared of this Jazz team? Of course, you've been a huge fan throughout. Should we be scared? Yeah. Yes. Um, I would say, if you look at their record, I, I'd actually say they're slightly underperforming uh, as per my expectations. I said before the season started that I would not be at all surprised if they were sitting around like the second, third seed. So um, they have had one of the toughest schedules in the league so far. And I believe if you... Uh, look at strength of schedules remaining uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, the Jazz are actually um, bottom of the league, meaning they have the easiest upcoming schedule. And this was also the case last year, which is why uh, the Jazz later on in the season, um, they had almost a historically easy schedule going into the playoffs, which meant they uh, leapt up the standings uh, later on in the season. So, um, although it is early on in the season, I wouldn't be surprised to do, see them do the same this this year. Yeah, well, I mean, we could talk about the Jazz stepping it up and showing showing off what they have in offense, but this also could just be down to complacency from the Raptors. It's something that sort of Nick Nurse brought up after the game. He said that, you know, 40 up at halftime, franchise record lead, ridiculous amount of goal, uh, points, I'm saying goals, ridiculous amount of baskets scored. And suddenly with six minutes to go in the third, the lead is down to 18. Now, that's got to be a mix. That can't just be one team being good or one team or the NBA champions sort of losing the plot. Um, Absolutely. But I mean, they were, they were good throughout. And I guess in the fourth quarter, they sort of matched it didn't they? Because, uh, yeah, they, it was, it was a very low score quarter. I, I guess both teams decided to take it slightly easy after the tumultuous ride they put. Yeah. Through. Yeah. They emptied the bench. I think once it was known that the Raptors were still up 20, they sort of, uh, let the likes of, uh, Pons play Hernandez, Miller, Malcolm Miller, Brissett, uh, who never normally get any game time. They sort of look, let them play. Yeah. Um, and it's nice, you know, you don't want the likes of Van Vliet Siakam getting more than 30 minutes. You want the bench, Emptying the bench, you know, Hollis Jefferson, who, of course, didn't play at all earlier in the season, is now regularly putting up 25 minutes and regularly getting double-digit points, which is extremely effective. I do just have one thing to ask, though, about the Jazz. Um, one reason, I mean, they're 12 and they're 12 and 8. They were 12 and 8 going into this game. But one reason that a lot of people put down to their success late last season was uh, Mr. Jingles, Mr. Joe Ingles himself. What's happened to him this year? And more importantly, why does he have to do it when I draft him in my fantasy team? <laughs> um, weirdly enough, I haven't uh, focused on him individually in tapes. Well, um, can I just tell you, he's scoring seven points a game. Yes, yeah. I on have, 39% of the field. Yeah, yeah, I have seen his stats, however, but um, it'd be difficult for me to say without seeing any film like, what has gone wrong. I would imagine that um, he might just be going through a shooting slump, as do every like uh, effective uh, role player type guys, because um, 
we could potentially transition this into uh, looking at the Lakers because, of course, after the first 11 games of this season, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was getting absolutely blasted by um, all media and especially like the Laker fans. And he's, he, for example, really turned it around once Avery Bradley uh, unfortunately injured himself and uh, KCP actually ends up taking a starting role and just shot considerably better. So perhaps uh, it's going to be the same case for Joe Ingles as well. It's just the shooting slump. It happens to the best players also. It happens to Clay and Steph even in the past couple of years. So hopefully we should expect to see him uh, come out of it. Well, that's a great note to end the first part of this podcast on, the downfalls of Joe Ingles. So the Raptors, of course, have two other quite boring games. We won't go fully into it. Now, when you play the Knicks, and we won't focus too much on New York because they're just such an abysmal team. I feel very sorry whenever I talk about the Knicks at the moment. Of course, seeing former legend Mello, of course, play it up, win Western Conference Player of the Week, must hurt them as well, of course. Uh, That was a very, very routine 126-98 win. Do you want to guess who top scored for the Raptors? It's not going to be a surprise at all. Oh, okay. Uh, Siakam, was it? <laughs> Siakam with 31. Uh, but more importantly, the top rebounder was Boucher, who's had a ball in place of Serge Ibaka. And uh, the top assistant mm. was actually Terence Davis, who is continuing his sort of ploy to be one of the best undrafted, what, the breakout star, as it were. I don't think any of us in our predictions episode put Terence Davis would make it especially as an undrafted player. We absolutely didn't but give what him a guy. Mention. What a guy. I mean, rookie of the year, who knows, you know, if it wasn't for Yamarant, you know, then uh, then we talk in something. Uh, Orlando. Orlando was a different game. It was the post-Thanksgiving slump, as we call it. Both teams full of turkey. Well, everyone seemed to eat a lot, except for Norman Powell, who dropped <laughs> 33 points in a 90-83 to win. You know, it's rare to see a sort of a guy, apart from likes of Harden scoring, you know, more than a third of your points in such a low-scoring game. Uh, but yeah. power, yeah. 12 from 18, 5 from 8 from beyond the field. And I think... Did anything have, stand out for you as to why it was such a low-scoring game? Uh, both teams just sucked on offense. I mean... Right. It, when, it wasn't due to... No, I mean... Possible. No, it wasn't due... When, games against the Magic are always difficult because they're one of those annoying long teams you know they have length they have athleticism they're all young all have stamina so they're one of those teams that do lend themselves well to low scoring games there's also poor shooting on both ends I mean uh, Magic went 34% from the field uh, and the Raptors went uh, 38% from the field it was also a frustrating game because even though it was uh, away at Orlando it's a game you expect to win and it's frustrating that the starters had to rack up 40 minutes plus. I mean, Siakam played 40, Van Vliet 41. The bench really hardly got a look in. You know, you had the you had the three normal suspects coming on, but you hardly had a look in otherwise. But it didn't seem to affect it going into Utah, did it? So can't complain about that. No, potentially um, they were frustrated after that game and took it out on unfortunate Utah. Yeah, took it out on uh, on the legends themselves. So, just looking forward for the Raptors before we get into our next segment is a game against Miami, and on Friday we're playing Houston, and then on Sunday Philadelphia. I think this three-game stretch, with the exception of the Western Conference road trip, is one of the toughest that the Raptors will face this season. 
Yeah, especially yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston. How are the Raptors going to handle Harden? Well, if the past is anything to go by, last season and this season, it's simply get the ball out of his hands, get the ball out of the star's hands, dare the likes of TJ Tucker, Daniel House Jr. to shoot. If they score, yes, you know, if, yes, they, yes, if, yes. if they're hot, then, you know, you can't complain. But keep the ball out of Harden's hands, like he did to Curry, like he did to Kawhi, you know, in the past. Yes, like uh, did to just, just to make a point there, um, I'm surprised you said uh, Houston was uh, the standout competitor there because uh, I think there's other two teams being just as good, and especially, obviously, Miami and uh, Philly in the past Two, three, oh yeah, but I mean, we beat Philly. We beat out. Philly without Larry and Ibaka, and I think when they come back, we you know we got their number. We got their number. Gasol has yeah. Embiid's number, and that's the main danger there. Unless Simmons uh, starts to shoot Rockets, a three. Uh, but with the Rockets, um, again, this is something I quickly want to touch on later in the episode. But I think the Dallas, Dallas Mavericks absolutely um, showed the blueprint as to how to beat that team, and they doubled Harden as soon as he entered the half court setting um yeah they just aside from Harden they they are not a good three-point shooting team they only could rely on Tucker from the corner and um the Mavs did a really nice job of actually um staying uh, on him even they would sag off uh the man who was one pass away and um instead guard Tucker which Normally against most teams, that's not a good strategy because it's a very easy pass for any uh, uh, primary ball handler to make. However, against the Rockets, um, it's just incredibly is an intelligent way to defend because Harden, of course, like he can make any pass anywhere. Like if the man is open in the corner, he has to skip it cross court. Um, he's he's one of those special players who can make that pass. So if anyone wants to see. Um, how to nullify the Rockets. I would definitely recommend watching that uh, Mavericks game. Yeah, so the Mavs actually, you know, it's a wholly interesting team. We didn't expect them to compete so well this season. They're sitting in the sort of upper echelons of the Western Conference. We we waxed lyrical about Luka Doncic last week. So, but they've got a roster. They've got a roster, the Mavs. And I think we've really underrated them all. I think they've sort of made some diamonds in the rough connect in a way that no one would have expected. A hundred percent. Again, I I don't think we even really discussed them. I wasn't even, I don't remember being down on them. I, we just didn't really talk about them because we thought early on in the season, especially, we thought Chris Tapps after that injury to have to slowly get back into things. And indeed, he has slowly got back into things. He, he has been playing well, but it's not been... Um, the elite level superstar we saw in New York, which I think people seem to have forgotten about. I saw people talking about how he's um, a poor inside defender when he was such an outstanding uh, blocker before he got injured in New York. But that's beside the point. Um, I think they had a game where they had either eight, nine, or ten players um, average ten. Sorry, not average. Scored ten or more points in a single game. This it's was maybe two weeks ago. It's Pacers-esque, isn't it? That sort of yeah. all-round play. But instead, but unlike the Pacers, of course, well, unlike the Pacers at Oladipo, they've got two stars there, you know? And um, shout-out to really former Raptor Delon Wright, who's delivering. You know, he's keeping J.J. Berea out of the team, so that's something. Yeah, absolutely. Even at this However, point. I would say with Delon Wright, um, 
uh, I was actually going to be um, harping on uh, negatively about him because excuse when, because when Luca is not the primary uh, taking the primary uh, ball handling duties when he's sitting on the bench, Delon Wright is not a playmaker. I'm very sorry to say it's a Maverick fan, but he looked, the offense looks absolutely lost without uh, Luca on the floor and. Of course, it is hard to adjust when you have your superstar go to the bench. Like it's been the status quo with all LeBron teams for the past like nine years. They they are just horrible without their superstar controlling the offense. But despite that, despite how it seems to me on the eye, um, if you look at the um, rotation splits, I I don't quite know what the word is, but when you look at different five man lineups, let's say like that. When Luca actually isn't on the floor, there are quite a lot of healthy net rating lineups for the Mavericks, um, which really surprised me. But to, to that, I would say it's still quite early on in the season, and um, there's basically a lot of variance with those lineups. A lot of them haven't played for uh, many minutes, so we'll see how it progresses as the season goes on. But um, that team is so so heavily constructed around Luca, and I think uh, Rick Carlisle has just done a fantastic job of um, fitting everyone else around him. And just a little snap reaction then, come the end of the season, where did Dallas end up? Give me a number. Um, as a seed? Yeah. At this moment in time, um, I'd have to say fourth seed. And I, that's, I think being very positive because um okay I've, so what we have the two lakers teams the two the, sorry the and, two la teams and the rockets as and the nuggets oh and the nuggets okay yeah i i would not um expect a nuggets team at all to drop out of the top three not not a chance with how they played so you much. know i think they're the least talked about elite team ever we're, we their game, their, we're not gonna we're not gonna mention no their game <laughs> threads on uh the nba subreddit are just empty Sometimes they're not even made. I'm not sure who's watching the games, what the figures are. I know NBA <laughs> viewing figures have dropped as a whole uh, yeah, by yeah. a few hundred thousand. But, I mean, no one is watching the Nuggets game. They, those figures haven't dropped because, you know, no one was watching them in the first place. And it's yeah, unfortunate and because they're just, good. They play good well, basketball. Just make one point about that team. Yeah. They went from being the highest offensive rating team last season. They were constantly pitted against the Warriors when it came to that category. But... They are now the best defensive rating team this season. So that team can pretty much do everything. Yeah, they've got the all-round. They've got a superstar in Jokic, um, but just not that interesting, which is unfortunate. <laughs> uh, well, until maybe Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull start getting minutes. I think maybe that's when people will start tuning in. Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's hope. Well, yeah. one team everyone is tuning into and will always do, and who somehow seem to take the YouTube free game of the week for NBA Europe is the Lakers, of course. Uh, you have any brief comments on them just before we go? Because, you know, they are sitting pretty at the moment. Their stars are delivering. They're healthy. They're 17-3, to best record in the league. Uh, well, drawn with the Bucks at least. But, you know, they're looking like the best team in the NBA and it looks like LeBron's on his way to another ring. What do you think? I could talk about the Lakers for 20 minutes. Um, I've you can already... talk, but can you squeeze it into a minute? 
Yeah, no, not a chance. Absolutely not. I can um, keep it very brief. I've already talked about KCP. He is a um, very important piece for them. Um, I'd like to say that Kuzma is... Um, I, I'm going to put it down to his ankle injury, but um, he's, he's, for me, he looks horrible. Well, he has, he he has, he's not his, starting, is he? He's off the bench. He's sixth man off the bench. No, no and... Um, so, uh, like media analysts, they've talked about the injury and they've talked about the fact that he needs to find his role within that offense. But um, in the offseason, I know he worked on his rebounding and his defense. But against the Mavericks, please watch the tape. He was absolutely atrocious. Um, when KCP had him down low, he effortlessly moved him. When he was guarding, I think it was Maxi Kleber on the perimeter, and he, he could not keep up. With with Maxi Kleber, like you just the big him, German has uh, has wheels, as we know. Yes, but uh, Kuzma is well, not really. No, Kuzma, Kuzma should be able to keep up with his with his sort of athletic ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, um, I missed the sarcasm there. But with Kuzma, um, he doesn't slide his feet. He he looks so unbelievably off balance, and he's like, it looks like a deer, a baby deer, like a Bambi. He's just like constantly hopping, which and his head is uh, way over his toes as well. Like it's just a horrible. Uh, defensive position and he of course he has been a horrible defender in his first two seasons but just to quickly wrap up with Kuzma um, he, we're, they're looking to, for him to be like the third scorer so if he gets his three point shooting percentage up which the Lakers need as a whole because of course um, uh, what's the bold guy called? Uh, Caruso? Caruso <laughs> What's the bold guy? <laughs> but um both him and Kuzma, they both need to get their three-point shooting up. And Yeah, do you uh, want to guess what they are? Or do you know already? Uh, as individuals. Maybe. Yeah, as individuals, yeah. Um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure about both of them. I, I thought it was below 30% for both. Uh, Caruso's 31%, Kuzma's 33%, 31%. so below average. Uh, but oh, also, yeah. you know, the likes of uh, LeBron and AD are shooting below average as well, 33 and 34. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's team-wide. It's really yeah, team-wide. team-wide. Well, with the exception of uh, former Toronto man's Danny Green, who yeah. actually in his latest podcast, uh, Inside the Green Room, he brought on Dwight Howard and he waxed lyrical about the sun in LA. And uh, I'm sure that will come as a bitter blow to many Toronto fans who expected him still to be here. But it doesn't matter. We've got Norman Powell. We've got Fred Van Vliet. We got Terence Davis. We don't need you, Danny. You can uh, enjoy your ring in peace in the beaches of LA while Toronto, and, while Toronto, Glasgow, Sheffield, and London enjoy the bitter, bitter cold. Well, thanks once again for coming on Balling the Six. This is your commuter length Raptors episode. Hopefully, <laughs> we're going to have a lot more to discuss next time because we've got three elite teams playing. Absolutely. And I think next time I'd also like to touch a slightly a bit more on the Lakers as well. Again, I, I know the media have um, probably bored you guys to death, but I think I still have a couple more juicy points to make on them. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we don't play until March, but you know the Lakers are always welcome on this podcast, especially with Le Bum ready and loaded. All right. That's disrespectful. <laughs> it's, it's an affectionate name, Le Bum. I think he's the greatest <laughs> player of all time. <laughs> Straight sort of affection, that. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. I'll see you see next you week. Next time, people.